How many would like to have Neil put you in his will? Hold your hand up. We can write it for him. We start uh, evangelism explosion training in a couple weeks. If you want to learn how to lead people to Christ, we'd love to have you too. Father, we just thank you for your word. Your word is your word is living and active, so teach us today. Prepare us for the things to come. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Now, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. We covered the first two churches of the seven churches of Asia Minor. We'll cover two today. And we're talking about the seven churches part two. Now, look on the map behind me. Uh, the churches in order that Jesus talks about them. We did Ephesus and Smyrna last week. This week we do Pergamos, or, and then we do Thyatira, and next week we do Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Okay, so I urge you to take notes. And uh, <clears throat> let me just start off the bat. This first This church today, Pergamum or Pergamos, and I've tried to give a one-word description with each church. This is the compromising church. And Pergamos is not an easy place to live if you're a believer. And if I was going to put our country in one of the seven, this is where I would put our country, because we are horribly compromised. And it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And so that's why as we read this passage, if there's ever been truer words, I can't think of any than what Jesus said to the people there of Pergamos. okay? So verse 12. To the angel, the pastor, the church leader in Pergamum write this. The one who has a sharp two-edged sword says this to you. First sentence is comforting. I know where you dwell. He's conscious. He understands what they're going through. Where Satan's throne is. Satan is a created being. He cannot be every place at one time. And apparently he hung out here a lot. It is the center of Christianity at the time. So it makes sense. You hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Because there are some of you who hold the teachings of Balaam. Everyone say Balaam. Who kept teaching this gentleman Balak... To put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. To eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Verse 15. So you also have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Verse 16. Therefore repent. When you've done wrong, when you need to make an adjustment, what do we all do? What do we do? We repent. We change our mind. We turn around. Therefore, repent, or else I'm coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Verse 17, he says to each one of the churches, But he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He also says this same thing. To him who overcomes, say overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but the one who receives it. And let's walk through this. A little background. This city, large city, Pergamum, was a sophisticated city. It was a center of Greek education, culture, and learning. Look, and all the pictures I'm going to show you are the pictures from the cities. Look at this amphitheater. 
it sat 10,000 people when it was in use. They had a library there. And the library, we didn't have, the books weren't like what we have them. They were in scrolls, 200,000 scrolls cataloged for use. It was a worship center of four different cults. And I butchered two of these names at the first service beyond description. Guess it's the country boy in me. I even practiced it. Uh, The first one is Zeus, and this is a painting of the statue to Zeus in Olympia where the Olympic Games were held. Serious, false god. Asclepius, hey, I did it that time. Dionysius, and then Athena. That statue was 41 feet tall. This is Asclepius. Notice the serpent at his side. The Greeks and the Romans believed he was a god of healing. So if you had a serious illness, you would pay a lot of money, arrive at Pergamum, go to the temple for healing, and you would lay somewhere flat on the temple floor, and they would pile a bunch of live snakes on your back. How many wouldn't go to the doctor very often? And this is Dionysius. Also, the Romans called him Bacchus. Can you guess what he was a god of? Look what's in his hand. He was a god of drunkenness. So when church let out at 12.15, people were kind of wobbly. Does anybody know what this place is? My mom and dad took me there when I was about eight years of age. Anybody know? Anybody in the room? This is in Nashville, Tennessee, a replica of the Parthenon that used to stand on top of the Acropolis in Athens. The people that founded Athens, I'm sorry, founded Nashville, wanted to make Nashville the Athens of the South. Who wants to be smart? But it's a little creepy. Do you know what they did 30 years ago inside? They built a statue to the demon god Athena. And the day it opened up in 1990, thousands of people poured in to see the statue of this false God. They probably got an additional 300,000 demons in Nashville because of this. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, with each one of the four gods that this city honored and people worshipped, there were trade guilds with every god. Trade guilds means there were coins with the face of the gods that you traded. And people that owned their own businesses had to belong to a trade guild to get their goods sold. Why is that important? If you became a Christian and you didn't want to go to the worship parties for Zeus, you were in trouble because you weren't part of the trade guild, which meant you probably couldn't sell your goods. So there's a lot of pressure on Christians in Pergamum. Also, look at this. It was the very first city in the Roman Empire to build a temple to Caesar. Bless little Nero's heart. And this is the temple right there. The very first temple dedicated to Caesar. So when people would go, if you were a citizen, you were required to bring an offering to the temple And you didn't say Jesus is Lord. You would give your offering and you would say what? Caesar is Lord. That's actually what got John sent to exile on Patmos because he said, I'm not playing. I'm not doing any of this. So they banished him to this rock in the middle of the sea. So this became the capital 
of the cult of Caesar worship. Tough place to be a Christian. Not only that, it was the capital of the Roman Empire for that part of Asia for 250 years, which meant there were a lot of troops, a lot of people garrisoned there, a lot of war plans made there. And this town had a weird nickname. It was also known as the city where Satan had, had his throne. I want to show you something. This is the altar of Zeus. Some people called it the throne of Satan. They literally disassembled this monstrosity stone by stone and rebuilt it in Berlin. And look at, this is an actual photo of people looking at the great altar of Zeus. And this is probably where Antipas was martyred up there on that platform. Now, believers had extreme pressure. They had a couple of choices. And different believers handled it different ways. One of them, because of all this pressure, first thing people would compromise. Let's just look the other way. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. I know on Friday nights, because I'm in this guild, I have to go to that party and there's a lot of drunkenness and there's a lot of crazy sexual stuff and there's a lot of stuff offered to gods there. But wife, you just have to Look the other way. I'm doing the best I can. I I have to compromise if my business is going to thrive. And some people just left the faith. They couldn't take the heat. They just left the faith. By the way, don't ever do that. No matter what happens, don't ever leave the faith. Now, it is comforting to me in this early verse where Jesus said, I know where you live. I know what's going on. I understand the pressure, but here's what I'm asking you to do. Hold fast. Everyone say, hold fast. Hold fast to my name. Don't deny me. Don't deny the faith. Stay with me, and I will get you through it. You know, the last couple of years in our country have been hard on a lot of levels. And a lot of Christians have just dropped out of church. A lot of Christians have slowly lost their faith. A lot of Christians are struggling. And I just want to say, don't let go. Hold on tighter. Hold on tighter. It's usually a slow release. It's just one finger, then two fingers and three fingers. And then, then it's one hand. And before you know it, you don't have much grip and your faith is down to 10% and you actually live and look like somebody that doesn't even know Jesus. Now this man Antipas, church tradition says he was the pastor of this church in Pergamum. And he was martyred for his faith. And I thought about not even showing this, but I said, hey, I'm going to show it because this is probably the way it went down. He was burned alive, placed inside a bronze bull with hot coals and stayed there till he died. And I'm sure he knew what was going on. And in my mind, he's just going, hey, I'm not denying Jesus. I'm not denying my flock. I'm not letting go of of my faith. Go ahead and heat it up. Put me in. Because it'll just be painful for a short time and then I'll be with him. But I will not deny my faith. And this is what Jesus said about this man Antipas. He called him my witness. Would you say my witness? And then he said, He is my faithful one. Say that, my faithful one. Now, if you could choose to live a long life 
and kind of let go of the faith and compromise your faith and deny your faith, would you choose a long life living that way or would you rather live a shorter life but one dedicated to Christ? Let me define compromise. Compromise is a concession for what you know to be true because you're under pressure. This is the bad kind of compromise. And maybe you've compromised. I don't know if not all of us have not compromised in some way, shape, or form. Have you ever lied because you got put in a tough situation and somebody asked you a direct question and it was embarrassing or belittling to tell the truth? So you just told a lie. Honey, how does this dress make me look? You've never looked better. That's, that's a poor example, isn't it? Excuse me. No. Have you ever stolen? What do you mean, stolen? I've had some friends who were CFOs of companies and they got in a tough financial bind because of poor decisions. And since they had access to the checking account, they took a little bit out thinking they'll put it back next week. And then they couldn't do it then, and they did it again, and they did it again, and they developed a lifestyle that finally sent them to prison. A lot of folks have said yes to sexual activities that you knew was wrong, but you got pressure. He tells me he loves me. But if I loved him, I'll give in to him. That's that's. Pressure, don't give in to that. Say no. The other kind of uh, compromise is a weakening of values. So you can satisfy your flesh. You knew it's wrong, but you choose to do it anyway. Perfect example is the new King Solomon who comes to the throne. He reigned 40 years. First 20 years were great. The scripture says he loved God and God loved him and he was devoted. But early on, he made a little compromise. The most powerful kingdom was the Egyptian empire. And he could broker a political treaty with the Egyptians if he married Pharaoh's daughter. Now the scripture says, don't marry outside the faith. It's not about ethnic. It's about faith. And he compromised. And then he compromised again. And he kind of liked it. And the scripture says he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the scripture says that those wives he married, and he married a lot, seven Hundred wives and three hundred legal mistresses. And they took his heart for God. See, when you compromise, you lose your heart for God. And this issue of sin and lust, one is never enough. Are you with me so far? Hello, are you with me? Now let's look at the other illustrations Jesus used in the text. One was Balaam. Everyone say Balaam. And you probably remember Balaam. Most of you remember Balaam from the story, true story, that Balaam was offered. And he's a man of God. He's a guy with a prophetic gift. And he walks with God and knows God. But he's offered money by the Moabites to curse the children of Israel. And the Lord tells him, don't you go with them. But he does anyway. And he blesses the nation of Israel three different times. And, you know, prior to this, he has this encounter with this super being while he's riding this donkey. And the Lord causes the donkey to speak. You know, when you're compromising, the Lord will speak to you through a lot of people in a lot of situations trying to get you to stop. 
but he didn't. So he told King Balak, I got a better plan. Won't cost you any troops. We know where the three million, four million Israelites are camped. When the sun goes down, get five of your most beautiful young women to go to their camp and start conversations. Invite the young men back to your camp and then 10 women, then 50 women before you know it. There's a lot of people slipping out of camp after dark. And it led to a great downfall for the nation. And this became a stumbling block. Does anybody know what this is up on the screen? This is a small statue of the fertility god the rain god, Baal. And his worship destroyed the nation of Israel. And so these women, these young women, got these young men into immorality and then got them into uh, idol worship. And God had to discipline the whole nation and thousands of people died. It was absolutely horrible. And the bottom line is compromise will destroy you. And Jesus will come after you. Now, after all these men that had slept with these women were killed, the Lord told Joshua, you get 10,000 of your best troops and you hunt Balaam down and you hunt Balak down and that's what happened now the principle is the promise is to those who overcome temptation to compromise those who overcome in the face of all this intense pressure from darkness he promises two things well Steve what are the two things we read them those who overcome, those who do not compromise, I will give you spiritual food that others will never have. I will give you insight. I will give you revelation. I will give you gifts. I will open doors for you. I will give some of the hidden manna that others will never, ever get. But you must walk away from compromise. The second thing offered is I will grant a deeper relationship with you than I give to other people. And there's a lot of beauty in this, a lot of mystery in it. To him who overcomes, I will give a white stone that has a new name for the overcomer on it. And I kind of see it as a nickname. I kind of see it as a depth, a place of honor, all because you choose to Overcome. How many would love to have a closer, more special, intimate with the Lord, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus? Hold your hand up. I do too. Now, let me just ask some questions before we go to the next church. Have you compromised? Are you under conviction? Because the choices that you've made. Have you rationalized obedience to the Lord because you wanted something so bad you would just do whatever it takes to get it? And then the third question is the most important question. Will you turn from your sin before it's too late? Let's go to the next church, church number four, Thyatira. This is the corrupt church. To the angel of the church of Thyatira write, the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze says this. This week in my prayer time, I said, Lord, 
I pray that your piercing, fiery gaze will look right through my heart and my mind. Go to anything that is displeasing and deal with it. And as I stretch out my face before you, may I touch your burnished, blazing feet and burn away rebellion and pride and selfishness. Verse 19, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, and that you your deeds of late are even greater than at first. But I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. She teaches and leads my bondservants astray so they can they commit acts of immorality. They eat things sacrificed to idols. Verse 21, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I'm going to throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into the tribulation unless, this is a plea, turn around, unless, unless they repent of her deeds and I will kill her children with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am the one that searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one, this is important, according to your deeds. But I say to you, and the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan as they like to call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, What you have, hold fast. Everyone say, hold fast until I come. And he who overcomes, he who keeps my deeds until the end. Notice, I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. As I also have received authority from my father. And this next verse is terrific. I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. First, Jesus commended this church for four things. Their love, their faith, their service, and their toughness. And they seem to be growing in these things, which is good. He said, but I've got this against you. You tolerate, everyone say tolerate. You tolerate, which means you allow things I disprove of that I know hurt you. And I want to say to you parents, I want to say to you business owners, I want to say to you folks in ministry, don't allow craziness. Don't allow abuse on your watch. Don't allow deception Deal with it. Deal with it. The pain is much less if you deal with things early because there's an influential woman in the church. Jesus used this name, Jezebel. Everyone say Jezebel. And uh, the real Jezebel lived 800 years before. I don't know if this woman's real name is Jezebel or she... Jesus is saying she is like Jezebel. For sure, there is an unclean spirit, the same unclean spirit operating in both of these women. The original Jezebel was the daughter of the king of Tyre, and there was an arranged marriage, a political marriage, and she married the king of Israel, a wicked guy by the name of Ahab, and boy, he got three times more wicked when he got this girl because she brought the worship of Baal with her. And the country never, ever recovered. And Jesus said she calls herself a prophetess, and she wasn't. She was demon-possessed. But there are real prophets. There are real prophetesses in the body of Christ. There are people that have a great heart and a grace to hear what's on the heart of the Father. Seems like they have an extra cable. 
and they are to be cherished people. When Josiah was renovating the temple, they found the only copy of scriptures in the whole nation. And as the leadership team read the scriptures, he said, oh my, we're in trouble because of what we've done. And the team said, what shall we do? And his leadership council said, there's one person in Jerusalem that has such a close relationship with the father and it's Huldah the prophetess. Let's go meet with her because she will tell us what God sees in this. And she read their mail and helped this 26-year-old king. So this Jezebel was doing two things. She was leading and she was teaching Christians, leading them into crazy sexual behavior and worshiping false gods. Seems like this, the devil uses the same trick on, in every single generation. And this wicked woman had actually been given grace by Jesus for a long time. Time to repent. Now, I don't know if you remember when you weren't so close, when you were living a rough life. Are you glad Jesus gave you time to repent? Hold your little wicked hand up. Lord, thank you. Thank you. I didn't deserve it, but thank you. Thank you. Because she had no desire to repent. And sometimes people ask me questions like this. Pastor, what's the unpardonable sin? People say, have I committed the unpardonable sin? I go, uh, no, you've not. What is the unpardonable sin? Jesus said in Matthew 12, anything can be forgiven. Can anything be forgiven? Yes or no? Yes. Jesus forgives everything when people repent and turn. But there's one thing that cannot be forgiven. You know what it is? Never coming for forgiveness. Never coming for the pardon. You tell the Holy Spirit over and over and over, leave me alone, leave me alone. The heart gets harder and harder and harder. And that's this woman. And he said, I would thrust her onto a bed of sickness. Now, the original Jezebel died a most miserable Life. Some of her servants threw out of her three-story window and then she was run over by a chariot. Some of her loyal fan club. And this woman was to suffer a bad, bad death because of her wickedness. And he said, all those who have been following her, unless they repent, will also go through his words, tribulation. Now, this next verse is kind of puzzling. Here's my thought on it. The church of Thyatira at this time was about 40 years of age. So people, some of them have been Christians quite a while. And so it's my guess that her children, the second generation, the parents bought her poison and passed it on to their children. And the children were now adults and they were passing on the poison too. And he's saying, I'm going to judge them severely because of what they're doing to people. And then Jesus talked about the deep things of Satan. And he says, you guys have not participated in the deep things of Satan, which is going on in the city all the time. What is this talking about? There is a wicked, nasty teaching that went through the New Testament and the book of 1 John talks a lot about it. It's called Gnosticism. Everyone say Gnosticism. It means special knowledge. In short, people that believed in Gnosticism was that the, the world is evil and it's matter and it doesn't count. So do whatever you want to. And freedom comes from attaining special spiritual knowledge. So therefore, these Gnostics would hold to the tenets that you could explore 
the realm of darkness and call yourself a Christian and expose yourself to demons and go to satanic worship and it will not bother your spirit because they're separate. And you can act out in crazy ways and Jesus said, uh, no, that's not true. That's not true. Now, this is not in your notes, but I just want to touch on it. People today can expose themselves to the realm of Satan very easily because it's all around us and it's growing. We are becoming a more spiritual country, but it's not biblical spirituality. So don't expose yourself to seances. Don't expose yourself to witchcraft. Don't expose yourself to Wicca. Don't expose yourself to Eastern religions. Don't expose yourself to things like palm reading, horoscopes, Ouija boards, because you're inviting demons to hang around with you. You don't want them in your house or messing with your kids. And something called tarot cards. It's all dark. And there's lots of other things too, but I wanted to mention these. All these on the screen, again, are special knowledge. I want special knowledge. Well, just like the serpent said to Eve, if you eat the fruit, you will have special knowledge. You will be like God. Now, do you think our country is being flooded by isms? Would you think? And we've got more and more isms. And I just want to mention some of the isms going on and tell you my thoughts. The last two years, we've had something called the woke culture jump up in our culture in every town, everywhere. We say, well, Steve, I don't even know what it means to be woke. Well, it means to awaken. It means to be alert to injustice in society. Being alert to injustice in society is a good thing. We ought to care. But what's your motivation? What do you want to do about it? We have something that's happened in the last two years called cancel culture. And it comes from this root. Well, you're guilty, so you're not allowed to speak. And we will shout you down. You're not allowed to share your views. I've had folks say, well, the cross is a symbol of white supremacy. I go, no, the cross is for everybody. A lot of this comes from this. Marxist, socialist ideology. You can tell where this comes from because it generates envy and resentment. And the thought is this. The folk in the street, the folk, the young people at the universities, they don't get this. They don't understand the broader picture. The thought between the people that are driving it is society is wrong and we have to destroy it. We have to take everything down to rebuild it in our image. And there are billionaires who hate Jesus and are corrupt, wicked people that are funding a lot of this. LGBT transgendered issues. Biblical marriage is out. We're going to reinvent the family. Now, I love folk in this lifestyle, but I will never tell them what they're doing is right. I never will. I will love them and say, Jesus has a better way for you. This is a trap. Open borders is not about helping poor people. It's about chaos. 
even some of the environment issues is not about saving gas. It's about control, tearing everything down. So we're in power. And here's, here's I'm just going to tell you where a lot of this goes. So therefore, we can break into stores and we can steal what you've worked hard for because you're guilty. And society owes us. So therefore, that's what we're going to do. And police are a problem. They need to be done away with. And we need to, this is socialist. Cuba, Vietnam, Russia, China, the wealth needs to be redistributed. None of this is biblical. The Bible says the opposite. For instance, on Friday, there were hundreds of thousands of Christians primarily in Washington, D.C. You know what they were doing? They were marching for life. But the folk in this other culture believe it's a good thing to kill children in the womb. I can't get that at all. Even the day of the birth, to kill a child. I want to tell you about one of my new heroes, African-American woman by the name of Winsome Sears. She's Jamaican, and I love Jamaicans. She was born there. She's an American, and she ran for office, and she was elected lieutenant governor of Virginia. Bless her heart. She is a committed believer. She's got a bunch of degrees. She's been in education. She got a degree from Regent University. And I heard her speech, her acceptance speech, and she said this, my burden for Virginia is the education of children. And that's what I'm going to work for, the education of children in Virginia. But she said, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm going to swim against the stream in the public school system. I'm not going to tell all white children, that they are oppressors. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to tell all black children that they are victims. I'm not going to do that because that's not what the scripture says. And I'm not going there. I want to create love and commitment, not anger and hostility. Now, social justice, a lot of people believe in social justice. Let's go for biblical justice. Biblical justice. And you know what the key verse is? The key verse is found in Corinthians. He has given us a ministry of reconciliation. It's already there. Be reconciled to Christ. Be reconciled to each other. So you look, what produces anger and division? What produces love and friendship? Let's go this direction. Does that make sense? Now, let's close this up. Never read the Bible without putting yourself in the passage. How a Christian lives, is that important? Yes or no? Is it important? Jesus said in the passage we just read, verse 23, all of us will be rewarded or judged on the basis of our deeds. What did you do with the time and the gifts you have in the time you have on this planet? One day we will stand before him and give an account. That's why it says early on in the passage, my eyes are burning, piercing, fiery, holiness, commitment to you. I see all things and I'm approaching, I'm coming with my feet burnished bronze, red hot, all because I care. All because I love. All because I'm willing to get involved. That is our Savior. Somebody say amen. So the scripture says, worship team, would you guys come on out? The scripture team says this. And you should feel encouraged by this. No matter your struggle, no matter your difficulty, no matter your failures in the past. If you overcome the darkness with God's grace that's trying to corrupt you, trying to get you to compromise, 
Here is a promise. And if you do the deeds, it's not enough to think about it. It's not enough to think one day I will. If you do what Jesus asked you to do, he has a special promise for you. All of us on equal footing here, he will give you authority. If you're faithful with a little, he will reward you with much in the next realm. This is the year to be faithful and do the deeds. Now, when I was 29 and Sue and I had been married three years and we quit our jobs and sold our home and put our junky furniture, whatever we had, in a U-Haul and drove our $500 car to Kentucky. But my father had several farms. He was a businessman and he loved horses and cattle. And there was a piece of land that I would walk over and pray over. And I picked out where the road was gonna go. And I picked out where I would build a house, knowing one day I'd be married and I'd have kids and grandkids and have people over. But when the Lord told me to come to Kentucky, I had to say no to the farm. And you may want to write this in the margin because this, this is what Antipas decided to do. I'm going to say no to a long life so I can hold fast to my faith. Sometimes you have to give up things in this world so you can have more in the next world. And the more you give up here, the more honor you will have in the next realm. And Jesus said this in verse 27, all authority has been given to me, all authority. And I want to give it back to you. But I need you to be an overcome with me. And and he closed with two pictures. And I've read these for years and it didn't make sense. Here's the first picture he closed with. It's like a group of jars, pottery jars. And he designed who resisted his design and said, no, I'm not going to serve you. No, I'm not going to obey you. No, I'm not going to honor you. And remember, he is the one that will rule the nations with what in his hand. Can somebody tell me? A rod of iron. When you take something like a piece of rebar and strike a pottery piece, It shatters very, very quickly. I need to keep that in mind. I need to honor him. I need to obey him. And the other one is such a tender. I might just cry if I'm not careful this morning. It's such a tender picture. And I read it. I never saw it before. He said, Steve, remember, I am the morning star. What do you mean, Lord? It's all through Scripture. The ancients used to call Venus, the planet Venus, the morning star. Because when the sun was coming up, you could see the brightness of Venus in the distant. Three, four hours. In the darkest part of the night, Venus would just show. The morning star. And maybe when you, if you're up in the middle of the night tonight or you get up very, very early, you may look and find the morning star because the gospel is in the heavens. And like this star, Jesus is the first. Everyone say first. He's the first of everything, and he's the first of the dawning, and he's the first of every new day. And I don't care what kind of a life you've had and how you've been disappointed and brokenhearted, and maybe you're a broken piece of pottery. It's a new day for you because he's the brightest star. He's the brightest light, and he's 
the constant one. He'll be there tomorrow and he'll be there the next day and he'll be there every day. And you can go out and look and go. Thank you, Lord. He's a treasure hidden in the field. And before I close in prayer, we're going to open the altar. Why do we open the altar? Because we need it. We need to humble ourselves. We may need to clinch the deal. You may need to surrender. If you've tolerated stuff you shouldn't have tolerated, maybe today you say, Jesus, I don't know how, but I'll stand with you and I'll stop allowing that to go on. And if I've led others in the wrong direction, Jesus, I'm going to stop. I'm going to lead people to you. Now, I want to pray. And here's what the altar call is. You guys, come on out. The altar call is this. If you need to repent, come and repent. Get right with God. Tell him you're going to walk with him forever. But also, here's another invitation. Our, our nation needs help. We're on the fence. And our nation needs people like you to help people get the right, go the right direction. And so come and pray for our land. Come and pray that we won't compromise. We won't be corrupted. Instead, Jesus will help us. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your scriptures. Lord, move in this room. Bring conviction and Lord, give us the grace to say yes to you. Help us to pray and make a difference for our nation, our family, our neighbors. Lord, send an awakening and help us to walk away from compromise. Come to the altar this morning and pray. We're going to be singing a couple of songs here at the end. This first one, some of you may know, some of you may not know. The words are very, very powerful. So if you don't know it, you can just um, use this time to either make your chair an altar or come to the altar and pray and just ask the Lord to reveal if there is anything in your life that you're exalting above him. I pray, God, that you would give us clean hands and pure hearts that we would not lift our soul to another. In Jesus' name. We're creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we'd hear Christ be magnified worthy Melody 
last song together.
to Jesus and you don't even know why do it today do it today just pray with me say Jesus I need you badly come into my heart and save me 
be my Lord and King and Master because I give you everything. Give me a home in heaven. And Lord, may I start my walk with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayer needs, please, there's people here to pray with you. Slip out, pick up your children. If you just prayed to receive Christ, come see me right over here. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.